The point is not to take each one of these apart and just say, well, here's what this verse means and here's what that passage means. But the fact is, the Bible talks about rewards. Do you need a spiritual spark? Are you feeling run down or run over? Are you ready to eliminate the spiritual ups and downs? This is Fresh Faith in Real Life. Let's restore life in your walk with Christ. We'll dive into our featured guest interviews, biblical devotional thoughts, answers to your questions, and more. Your walk with Christ isn't meant to be a performance. It's all about relationship. Let's get to know Jesus and experience fresh faith in real life. Here's John Fugler. Welcome to episode number 23, and this week, awards, rewards, and blessings. I should have been a racehorse. A big lesson from the Hall of Faith and a special guest that needs no introduction. This is Fresh Faith in Real Life, a ministry of Fresh Faith 24-7. I'm John Fugler on a quest to know Jesus and help a million believers know him too. I'm the author of a devotional series called Your Life with God, a lifelong Christian media guy, a husband, a father, a grandfather of eight, and personally, I want to know Jesus more each day. Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's from Philippians 3.8. I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7, where we lead you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. Well, just when you thought horse racing couldn't get any bigger in prizes, and maybe you didn't know that, but uh, the report here, as the Saudi Cup has come along, and uh, 14 of the best horses from around the world compete in this short race, a couple minutes long, and the winner, the winner, which makes this race uh, impressive by all standards, the winner takes away $10 million. It makes me want to be a racehorse, doesn't it make you? No, not really. I'd rather not. I'd rather be $10 million short and be a human being. Um, But why do I mention this? (laughs) It's because this week's episode is about rewards. Rewards, awards, and prizes. That's what we're going to talk about. I did some history uh, looking here, some research, and I look back in the 1800s. And wanted to find out, hmm, I wonder about some of the rewards in the 1800s. They weren't horse races, but I looked up rewards for those who were able to turn in bad people, like the notorious Dalton Gang. $15,000 reward. Have you heard of the Dalton Gang? They were wanted for murder, train robbery, stealing horses. There's horses again. And introducing liquor into the Indian Territory. So... Their end came in 1892 in Coffeyville, Kansas, during an attempted bank robbery. Two of the robbers and two gang members were killed. And Emmett, the last Dalton, Emmett survived. He was captured, tried, and convicted. Now, I'm not sure who got the reward for that. Must have had to have been split. Other rewards, of course, we think about awards, prizes, rewards, and how can we not think about the lottery, right? Got to say it. I got to say it. I, I'm i not a lottery ticket buyer, um, but a lot of people are, and you might be. And you wonder, well, I wonder what the biggest one is in history. Well, I looked that up, and as far as I can tell, and maybe it's been updated since then, but it goes back to 2016, uh, $1.586 billion in the Powerball, 
and three tickets split that. So 1.586 billion, just in case you were thinking about the lottery. Well, let's get on to uh, some nicer things, right? Uh, the Nobel Prize. How would you like to receive the award of the Nobel Prize? I, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad thing to add to the resume, right? Uh, there's six prizes, physics, chemistry, physiology or medicine, literature, peace, and economics. So can you take one of those and just maybe spend the next few years getting yourself up for the Nobel Prize? And what an honor to do that. It, this whole thing started back in, I think, well, it's the late 1800s, late 1800s by Alfred Nobel, and he left a lot of money in his will to be able to continue this prize, started and continue it, and has since then. So Nobel Peace Prize is one of them. Where that's, I think that's probably the one that we hear about most. And how much, you're probably saying, well, how much do you get? I mean, the honor is nice, the reward is nice, but what about the money? It's, it's over a million dollars. It's over a million dollars. Well, I have a prize for you. <laughs> it's not a million dollars. It's not the Nobel Prize. But what I have for you is a reward, and you just got to go get it. It's called Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith. And Nuni just made some banana bread. I've been nibbling on it today before I stepped up to the microphone here. <laughs> so it really is fresh, and it's good. But that's not your reward. That's my reward. Uh but fresh bread for fresh faith. But the story behind this is that I believe that knowing Christ is a secret to life. And as I said, life with a capital L. I say that a lot. I firmly believe that. And whatever you're dealing with, whether it be stress or fatigue, worry, loneliness, um, maybe you're discouraged. There's a lack of purpose, failure, burnout. I believe that as you lean into Jesus and get to know him more deeply, that is the solution. He's there for you. And my mission in life is to help a million believers know the Christ of the cross. And that's why I spend time each week writing my Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith devotionals. And I want to offer that to you. I send them out three times a week, pointing readers to Jesus as they start the day. You'll get them in your inbox early in the morning. It's not a long dissertation. It's not a theological message. Just take 60 seconds to read through. It's a springboard to start your day to get you started centered on Christ, not a replacement for your quiet time, but it's a way to focus on Jesus and deal with those things that are robbing you of life or to encourage you where you're at right now to spring you forward. So sign up for Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith. You click the link in the show notes or go to Fresh Faith 24-7 and you'll see Fresh Bread in the menu. Click on that and sign up. And you'll get it three days a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Get it. I get it there early. And if you if you get up after 5 a.m., then it'll be in your inbox when you get there. You can click on the show notes if you can't remember the website and sign up for Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith. Speaking of Fresh Bread, we usually have that segment right now, but this show is a little different this week, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Uh, but first, I wanted you to hear a couple gems. We're into the second quarter of the year. And we've had some amazing guests in the first quarter. And it's good to bring out the best of the best segments because the messages are timeless. And talk about centering on Christ and knowing Jesus. What I've selected for this show are powerful. 
there were so many I could choose from. I'll go back to others and uh, share them with you in the future. But I picked a couple here, short segments for you to hear from past shows that I think you'll find uh, really will, will spark you, make you think, uh, point you to Jesus, and hear about this from somebody's life. That's fresh faith in real life, we call this. So the first one I want to bring to you is Dr. Peggy Banks, and Peggy serves as the director of TWR Women of Hope, and rest is key in her life as she lives a, a busy life, and yet she rests. It's so important to her, and we talked about that in the show with her. Let, let's hear this segment. I think learning to put everything else aside for one day and worshiping the creator, not the creature, not myself, my thoughts, my desires, my work, my relationships, mm. but just worshiping God, whether that's, I mean, I love music. So it's through worship music, through prayer, through just taking a nap, um, reading the books that I've been wanting to read, drawing into him, you know, even studying for me, I'm, there's topics that I'm interested in. I'll read and I'll, I'll be studying and writing things to grow in my knowledge mm. of who he is, what it means to rest in him. So, you know, it started from that one day a week being intentional to do those things um, has turned into, you know, uh, one weekend a month I try to do. And then uh, once a year, I try to have a week Sabbath with the Lord where I do go away and kind of shut off all of the, you know, as much as I can, social media and, mm. and my phone and all those kinds of things and just have that week with the Lord. So, and that usually involves asking questions of God mm. and being prepared to listen and wanting to have answers for certain things. I do that every year, mm. the first um, 30, uh, 21 days of the year. Orest is one element that I feel is necessary for intimacy with Jesus. We've got to stop. We have to rest physically or else we're just not going to be at rest spiritually. And I encourage you to rest and use that time, some of that time, just to be with Jesus. Uh, the second segment I wanted to share with you is about worship. Rest and worship, they kind of go hand in hand, don't they, when you talk about intimacy with Jesus. And I had a really neat guy on the show, Phil Stacy, former American Idol finalist. He's a worship leader at a church, and he is also an author of a new book called Made to Worship. Phil and I have known each other for a few years. He's got a heart to take the gospel to people who have never heard. And he has such a heart for worship, and so much in that episode was rich, but I picked one segment to share with you. So let's hear it now. The Bible, there's, there's, there's more than 50 times when he's asking us for a song, you know, sing a new song to the, you know, there's, there's a, there's something special. When Jesus was in the, the garden with the disciples, he was singing hymns. When, mm -hmm. the, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus was singing hymns. I think we never hear anybody preach on that, but it's, it's factual. <laughs> and uh, there's something special about music. And for me, if you remember that old movie chariots of fire, there's a guy in it that, that talks about how he's like, he's like, I can feel God's pleasure over me when I run. And I feel that when I sing, you know, and I sing to the level of excellence I'm capable of for his glory. And my practice time is for his glory. Uh, my rehearsal time is for his glory. 
my performance time is for his glory. And I can literally feel the presence of a heavenly father who just loves the fellowship because it's not just me giving to him in the same moment he's giving to me. He's giving me joy. He's giving me peace, you know? So, um, and then you uh, have the congregation into about. it where you're, you're worshiping, but also you're leading them in, in worship at the same time. Yeah. I, I've, I've said that to my church. I've literally said, you know, I'm not singing for you people. <laughs> We're singing for him. And if I get the idea that you're not participating, I'll stop singing. I'll let you take over. I can hear it. Like if people like start, you know, cause when you're proficient at something, people like to observe. So like, if you're a great singer, people want to sit and listen to you sing. Um, and that's the danger. I think today's church has to fight through that in order to truly worship God together. Um, you'll hear everybody just stop and they're like, wow, listen to that piano. Wow. Listen to that voice or whatever. And if they do that on my watch, I'll stop. Mm. I'll just stop singing. And, and all of a sudden you, you, you're like, Oh, I surrender all, you know, they feel it like, Oh, I have a responsibility here. I'm going to start singing. And, um, I think it's very important we do it corporately uh, as, as an act of worship together. Okay. Well, after hearing from Peggy and then Phil, you can say, well, I, I can go home now. I've had enough. <laughs> I'm pumped up, ready to go. But uh, hey, stay with me. We're going to get into our featured interview, but this time it's not an interview. And I said our guest needs no introduction because our segment today comes from none other than me. <laughs> yeah, it's about the to topic of rewards. That's what our focus is in, in this episode. And what I want to share with you is a segment taken from our monthly mentor session inside Fresh Faith 24-7. That's a, a monthly session we have and go really deep into one aspect of knowing Christ and a healthy walk with Christ. And, and this segment is one that I did on rewards. So that's why I nixed the uh, fresh bread segment in this, this episode. You have too much bread for me. You don't want too much of it. And I really wanted to focus on rewards and what the Bible has to say. Uh, if you're part of Fresh Faith 24-7, you can access the entire teaching in the monthly mentor section. And I've taken a portion of that teaching for this segment on rewards. If you're not a member of Fresh Faith 24-7, you can click the link in the show notes to find out more or just visit freshfaith247.com. So let's go. What is the most memorable award that you have ever received? The most memorable award. Think about that. I want to take you back to high school. And before I share the most memorable award, I want to share with you the least memorable, the one I've been trying to forget ever since. I don't know if it has an adverse effect on my life, but here goes. I was in eighth grade and my friend Matt, he and I had worked all year long to build this science fair project. We wanted to build a model of an airplane engine in real life, a cross section. We did all this research, wrote to Boeing and they actually sent us pictures and charts of this. And as we got them back, we looked at it, we're going, I can't make a replica. <laughs> we looked at it and said, I don't think that's gonna work. <laughs> we're in eighth grade. So we went off and what we said we would do an entire aviation exhibit, slideshow. Uh, there was not video really back then that we could use. So uh, a slideshow, we had history, we had 
booklets that we put together. We had charts. We had all sorts of things that would make this a great aviation exhibit. In fact, we had a room at the school that we had reserved the year before, because that's where the winter was the year before, that we had reserved for ourselves. And we see we filled this room with what we thought was the best science fair project in the world. And we were sure we were going to be awarded first prize. That was our goals. We worked on it all year long. So then came the day. We turned it in. We, Well, it was being built. So we built it. Everybody turned theirs in. And then the judges came by. And now we didn't know the results till we got there. Nobody saw the results. So they went to their project and said whether they'd won or not, what prize, what level. So Matt and I, we raced in. We knew we were going to get first prize. This was an incredible exhibit, incredible project. And we got second prize, second prize. And then for the rest of the night, we had to show people around. You know, you had to stand next to your science fair project. Well, we had to stand there in our room showing people, pretending we were happy about getting second prize. Now, I have to say the first prize went to a guy who built a computer. And when you consider this was the 1970s, yeah, he should have won. Mike Ross. Mike Ross, he's probably a well-paid genius even these days, but he, he did it. And Matt and I, we got second prize. Well, let me turn to the one of the most memorable awards I've had. And I go back to high school for this, actually. And I was an athlete, as you know, baseball, football. And at the end of the year, they awarded all-county team for every position. And that was a cherished prize for anybody, a cherished award. And I had the honor of several times in both football and baseball receiving an award for all-county whether it be honorable mention or second team or first team, I received that award for all county. And to me, that was so satisfying because I had put in so much work all year, so hard, and come to the end of the year and be recognized by other coaches around the league that I had uh, been honored with that prize, with that award. To me, I look back on that, and each time it happened, it was it was special each time. So those those are on the, the bad end of award and the good end of award. By the way, the def, definition of an award, and be thinking about what yours, uh, your most memorable is, is the order of giving of something as an official payment, compensation, or prize to someone. And my prize was uh, being able to make all county and also to get second place in the science fair. I'm not going to go into the character development of second place. I won't go into that because it didn't do anything for my character, <laughs> to be honest with you. Oh, anyway, uh, that's awards. And then there's something else, which is the topic of our conversation here, and that is rewards. Awards, rewards. Now, listen carefully to the definition of Reward. I mentioned award is an official payment, compensation, or prize. Well, a reward is a thing given in recognition of one's service, effort, or achievement. 
I think they're pretty close. And in fact, if you go and look at synonyms of award and reward, they're they're pretty much interchangeable. You can get down to the technicalities of this, but they're really close. Uh, a thing given in recognition of one's service, effort, or achievement. The Bible has a lot to say about rewards. And some passages that we look to, think about these in Romans 2, 6. God will repay each person according to what they have done. So that ties in for achievement, and God will repay each person. Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, and this is the parable, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. This is one that uh, intrigues me as 1 Corinthians 3 12 through 15. So listen to this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So another uh, section on passage on reward. And I go to uh, this verse from Colossians 3.24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You receive the inheritance as your reward. I like that award, don't you? And that reward, award, reward, 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Those passages emphasize the importance of this thing called reward that we will receive, depending on what we do in most of these cases. And we're not going to get into works and grace and all of that. Not at all right now. The point is not to take each one of these apart and just say, well, here's what this verse means and here's what that passage means. But the fact is, the Bible talks about rewards. And that's just a few of the many verses on rewards. I want to take you to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, where we think that's the chapter on faith with the hall of faith. And it sure is, but it's also a chapter about reward. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that verse is nestled in the middle of the hall of faith. And I want to take a look at some of these great men and women of faith from Hebrews 11. We're going to look at faith, but also we're going to be talking about the reward part of this because it is so key. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. That's in 11.4. 11.5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. 
And then Abraham again, by faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was, in fact, in the act of offering up his only son. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated by the, with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And what more shall I say? For it would time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, etc., etc. So this whole chapter, as you read it, you're built up in your faith. But I want to go back to verse 6, because this is the verse that really centers us on something very, very special. In the midst of all the stories of faith, all these references to faith, verse 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, right? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That jumped out at me as I was studying this passage. That he rewards those who seek him. Hmm, I wonder, I wonder what those rewards are. And it came to me that God will reward us when, when we seek him. That, that's a guarantee here. He rewards those who seek him. <laughs> I want God's rewards. But you know what? God chooses the rewards. He chooses the rewards as we seek him. And then I thought a little bit more and I was praying and, and realized that the reward that we receive is God himself. As we seek God, we find him and he is our reward. We may receive blessings and other rewards and awards along the way, but the greatest reward we have is Jesus himself. All the other rewards are so much less. Sometimes we're deceived into thinking that these other rewards and blessings, you know, blessings, the cousin to rewards, that these are are it. These are rise to the surface. We want those, whether it be material or family or whether it's a job, whether it's comfort, whether it's whatever it might be, even the spiritual blessings and the heavenly places have been awarded to us, we look at those blessings as the reward greater than Jesus himself. And I was, I was stopped as I, as I read that and stopped. And then I smiled and I said, wow, this is exciting. I want to know more. God's faith heroes that we just heard about in Hebrews 11 found their reward in him. Many never received what was promised, the promised land. Uh, They never received Jesus, the promised Messiah. They were long before that. But they did receive the promise of God himself. Each one, each one of those people I mentioned, enjoyed a life of relationship with God, the greatest reward. I was uh, looking through this whole concept and wondering what others had to say about this. And I came across a, a guy named McLaren who wrote a commentary. 
on Hebrews 11.6, and he says this so well. I read it and I reread it. I saved it. I printed it out. I'm probably going to post it because the way he said this, and he said this many years ago, struck me. The best reward of seeking is to find the thing that you're looking for. So the best reward that God, the rewarder, gives is when he gives himself. There are a great many other good things that come from to the diligently seeking Christian soul, but the best thing is that God draws near. Enoch sought God, came to God, and so he walked with God. The reward of his coming was continuous, calm communion, which gave him a companion in solitude and one to walk at his side through all the darkness and roughness, as well as the joys and the smoothness of daily life. Oh, doesn't he say that so well? Ah, brethren, there is no reward comparable to the felt presence of our own quiet hearts of the God who has found us and whom we have found. And if we have that, then he becomes here and now the reward of the di- diligent search, all the other search, the quest after the chief good, if it runs in any other direction, is restless and barren. But there is one course and one only in which the result is solid and certain. (laughs) If we seek, he will be found of us. And so be our rewarder and our reward. Oh my gosh. As I read that, as I pondered, I meditated on it, (laughs) saying, right on, brother, you are speaking the truth there. And I thought further, what is the application of this? What's the application of this? You know, we look at Paul and uh, in Philippians 3.10, where he, uh, 3.8, where he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. As we seek Jesus, who is our reward, we will know him. And Paul understood this, the All those greats in Hebrews 11, he understood the fact that he wanted to know Christ and Christ was his reward. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. He wanted to know Christ. God must be at the center of everything we pursue. How can I foolishly pursue earthly rewards? God has to be at the center. If not, I'm wasting my time because I'm missing out on the greatest reward, Jesus. Mm. I need to keep Christ at the center of everything I do. Jesus needs to be right there no matter what it is. The ordinary things of life, Jesus needs to be at the center. Sure, it's easy to keep him at the center when we're in church and we're worshiping and we're uh, learning from the word, but the ordinary things of life, I I need to take Jesus with me. I need to take the reward with me, Jesus, in everything I do. If I have a relationship with Jesus, he's involved in everything I do. If you have a relationship with Jesus, he's involved in everything you do. How much I include Jesus is a measure of my relationship with him, if that relationship can be measured in quantity. Well, quantity and quality. For instance, uh, deep involvement equals deep relationship. If I include Jesus in whatever I do, involve him more deeply, it equals my deep relationship. 
consistent involvement in everything I do day by day, moment by moment, is that consistent relationship. And on the other hand, if I can't include him, I I shouldn't be doing it, right? If I'm doing something and I I can't bring Jesus with me, (laughs) this reward, this relationship, this Jesus, the greatest reward, then I should not be doing it. Should not be doing it. Take Jesus, my greatest reward, into everything. And I would just say that to you. Take Jesus your greatest reward into everything. We need to do that. So I looked at application too. We're getting, narrowing it down here. How does this work? How do I bring Jesus uh, into the things that I do? (laughs) We, We need to have that relationship. We need to have that communion, that fellowship that in this commentary of McLaren so, so wonderfully explained about Enoch, the reward of his coming was continuous, calm communion, which gave him a companion in solitude and one to walk at his side through all the darkness and roughness, as well as the joys and the smoothness of daily life. So these are the realizations I came to, three things I wanted to share with you. What looks like a reward may not be a reward at all. What looks like a reward may not be a reward at all. That's Thought-provoking, isn't it? So we're going to examine the things we thought were rewards and blessings. Are they really from the Lord? Secondly, nothing of value is done without Jesus, and we have to include him. Nothing of value is done without Jesus. We have to include him. And the third thing is really kind of, maybe that's, This is 2B, but I wanted to state it as a point in itself. If Jesus isn't included, it has no value. If Jesus isn't included, it has no value. So what looks like a reward may not be a reward at all. That's the first thing. Second, nothing of value is done without Jesus. We should include him. And third, if Jesus isn't included, it has no value. I go back to Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Okay, well, usually after our featured segment, I point you to the the one thing, the big point, the big takeaway, but I said what I had to say. I don't need to add to that. Remember to claim your fresh bread for fresh faith devotional. Sign up. With the link in the show notes or at freshfaith247.com, you click on Fresh Bread in the menu. You'll get yours Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturday mornings. A quick read to inspire you to start your day on the right foot. Well, I look forward to seeing you again next week. Well, at least talking to you on Fresh Faith in Real Life. Until then, keep seeking Jesus, your greatest reward.